Hello and welcome. My name is Juanita Headley. I'm a New York attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and of course. Can you keep a secret? Keep a, keep a secret. Can you knowing how to respond to the question? Over the following weeks and months, I'm going to take a look at some hard-hitting topics with a view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way that you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of this show, where I'll be sharing not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I'll also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings and how you can contact me to have your questions featured in a future episode of this show. So we can talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah. So we can talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk about the effects of technology, the internet, how the lockdown has affected everybody. But more than that, how the internet is being misused and abused, particularly in this current day and age, in a time when there is so much uncertainty. I was reading an article, in fact, and I read this article on two occasions. And the second time I read it, it provided more detail and more information. And this particular article is about a suspect who is from Chicago, allegedly 18 years of age, and he was charged for sexually assaulting a seven-year-old girl during remote learning. When I initially heard of the case, I was confused as to how, in fact, this young girl was sexually assaulted during remote learning. For those who maybe don't know the term, remote learning simply means that she was being tutored or schooled electronically. Depending on where a person is in the world, Either they're attending school with maybe a mask, hand sanitizer, and other various new rules in place to protect and safeguard everybody from the current situation, the pandemic. Others are simply studying at home. And of course, that isn't always conducive for every person, depending on whether they have a suitable space, somewhere that is quiet, conducive for learning. Internet connectivity is a big one. Even quite recently, I was in accommodation and all the power went out, the electricity, the fridge, everything went out. I was in conversation with somebody at the time. And fortunately, because I have data, I was able to hotspot myself. But in certain parts of the world, losing internet connectivity, losing electricity happens on a regular occurrence. And irrespective of losing power, what about when you don't have the the finances, the funding, to be able to purchase Wi-Fi in your home because I know of individuals who do not have Wi-Fi for various reasons, not necessarily in places like India and Ghana, but in parts of Trinidad and Tobago. I know of people who do not have Wi-Fi and they hotspot from schools, maybe from a neighbor. When they're out in the community, they're able to pick up internet connectivity. Others have data Others do not have data, but have internet at home. So it really depends on a person's economics, their financial situation. And then, of course, it depends on the country. In the UK, we're very blessed that we don't have power cuts. 
In fact, in all my young years, I don't believe I've ever experienced a power cut in the UK. In trying to recollect that this has happened, I'm drawing a blank. And to be honest with you, if a place like the UK or US lost electricity, I don't think that the average Westerner would, would survive or could survive. For me, myself, I love my vegan food, as many of you know, and so the fridge and freezer will be stuffed with food that would spoil. For others who are more reasonable in their purchases, it wouldn't be so much about food spoiling. It'd be more about, well, number one, the TikTok videos that they're making, the Facebook posts that they want to post, the Netflix movie they want to watch. And I've noticed that, for example, in a place like St. Vincent, people have moved away from, not everybody, but people are moving away from standard television. And of course, there's a feature now on YouTube where you can connect your phone to your television. And in doing so, that enables you to be able to view, for example, the song you're listening to, the video you're watching, without having to have channels 1 to 5 or Sky or, or the various different television networks that exist. And now with something like YouTube, for example, you can watch mainstream movies, you can watch documentaries that had been previously aired live on television. So everything has changed. And we've all become so dependent on technology. Is that a good thing? I believe everything has its pros and cons, to be honest with you. I wouldn't say that everything is of God because having done reading and research quite recently about a number of various things in relation to health and, and things that we as Christians should not engage in or engage with, I wouldn't say that all things come from God because as one of the articles I read quite rightly said, you couldn't take something that is inertly non-Christian and Christianize it because as they used the scripture in reference, they were sharing about how when the Lord comes into our lives as believers, we become transformed. We no longer continue to live that previous lifestyle. So for example, if you were a robber, you don't become a Christian robber, a Christian thief, a Christian adulterer. And I've noticed how we as Westerners, particularly we in the world, including believers, we will even take something that is not innately of God and we will Christianize it and bring it into the church. In fact, for those of you who have heard of the song, I believe it's with Cardi B, there are two female musicians who sing a song and the acronym is W-A-P, W for whiskey, A for Alpha, P for Peter and how a church was posting up their upcoming events. And instead of calling it P-A-W, Praise and Worship, they have called it W-A-P, Worship and Praise. And that is when we're taking things of the world and trying to bring, bring that into the church and trying to conform it. But of course, when a person sees the acronym W-A-P, they're not thinking Worship and Praise they're thinking of the female genitalia. Interesting, because even hearing about songs like that and just doing research and reading, for those who live under a rock, you would be oblivious to the fact of how children are being more and more sexualized and they are being educated on things that they really should not know anything about in their very young years. In fact, it's interesting because I was reading an article on Facebook and this article was about an individual, it was the mother, I believe, and how she was introducing, I believe she may be a celebrity, introducing the world to her two sons who are more or less like daughters. And people are commenting that as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, as long as it makes you happy, that's okay. But we as Christians know that we can't have that mindset. 
because if we have a mindset, it doesn't hurt anybody, it makes you happy, we would go out of our way to do things that, although not criminal in nature, would be immoral. Think about your own desires, your own wants, and how because of your beliefs, let's say you're Christian, your Christian beliefs, the doctrine you believe in, you're unwilling to engage in certain things, to do certain things that would be pleasing, gratifying, would not harm anybody. However, spiritually, it would harm you. And more than that, when you're in a relationship with God, you don't want to do anything that will displease him. That is one of the big things about Christians. We are not trying to satisfy man or each other. We have a desire to please God in all things with our worship, with our praise, with our tithes and offerings, with our givings, with our whole being. However, we have to understand, and as someone shared with me, we are people, we make mistakes. And for those of us who know Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior, when we are living the godly life, we will be attacked, we'll be persecuted. And someone made reference that pastors' children often are the worst, the, the most disrespectful, the most immoral. They engage in things that you would not anticipate or expect them to because they are a pastor's child. But as the person made reference, yes, they're a pastor's child, but the enemy is going to make sure that he increases the dial. He's going to make sure that that child is going to be the shame of the mother and father, so to speak. And I know pastor's children and the doctrine that they sort of believe is definitely not in the Bible and is something that I'm convinced their parents would not approve of. Someone asked me a question quite, quite recently, a child in fact, about an individual, a perpetrator, and she said to me, if a woman gives birth to a child and that woman was raped, would she go on to abuse the child? And I feel that it's important for us to understand that, yes, there are instances when a pedophile has gone on to commit certain sexual acts and offenses against another, because that is what they've been trained into, that is what they know. But that is not always the case. And I said to this young girl, I have been sexually abused. I'm not a pedophile. I do not abuse any child. Joyce Myers and Oprah Winfrey sexually abuses children, and I believe they're not pedophiles. And so that's what we have to understand. People's behavior is stemming from somewhere, but not always stemming from the fact that they were victimized. It's not always stemming from a place of them being hurt. The saying is hurting people hurt people, and we know that. But I feel it's important that we don't try to justify a person's behavior or quick fix and try to dissect a situation on the basis of the little that we know, because the lack of knowledge means we'll make a judgment, we'll have a belief that is not even based on fact. It's not even based on reality. It is based on assumptions. And I was doing some research on the internet of the definition of presumption and assumption, because I made a statement and I said, I presume X, Y, and Z. And when I looked up the difference between presumption and assumption, now those of us who know what assume means, it means you make an ASS of you and me. Therefore, we need to not assume. Presumption has been defined as having information. I don't want to say having facts, but having information and making an assertion, having a belief on the basis of the evidence presented to you. So that evidence could simply be circumstantial. Remember, this is not a court of law, but on the basis of the evidence presented before you, a presumption is made. And therefore, that presumption, it holds a lot more weight. Assumptions, on the other hand, for me personally, assumptions is when there is simply no just reason for you to believe that. So for me, one of the big things people assume 
wrongly is that I'm busy. I had a student message me quite recently within the last 24 hours and they said, I guess you're busy. And I said, no, I'm not. And then there's somebody I know who says to me things like, I thought you were busy when you were in Zoom. I thought you were busy. I didn't want to disturb you. And I've told them time and time again, do not assume. Ask me and allow me to be able to respond if I can. When you've not asked, you've lost out. Someone else was trying to get into Zoom. I thought you was busy. Don't assume. That's the thing. Assumptions are not based on facts or evidence. They literally pick from the sky. Juanita has a Zoom. She's busy. You don't know that. Let's say that I'm in Zoom and I'm letting people into the room. For example, am I busy? No, I'm a female. I have the gift of multitasking. Let's say I'm in Zoom and I'm speaking. Does that mean I'm busy? No, it doesn't. Because if I'm speaking something that is scripted, something that I know off the back of my hand, then I'm able to multitask. Yes, I'm conversating, but I'm able to multitask. There are other occasions, for example, when I'm not busy, but I'm struggling to multitask because I'm being distracted. I'm speaking on something that I may know very well, but I'm trying to gather my thoughts, trying to articulate. So because of that, the distraction is not possible. In other words, I'm not able to engage in that distraction without it being a hindrance to whatever I'm doing. However, there are many occasions when I'm in Zoom, I'm talking and I'm messaging, I'm texting and things. Messages may be brief, but I'm able to do that. Other times I say to my audience participants, I'm in Zoom right now with you guys, but there are people trying to get into the room. So therefore I need to come out of the room and do this or whatever. I talk to my audience and it's interesting because when I last spoke with this person, they asked me a question. Where are you staying? And I said, you're asking me a lot of questions. And then she said to me, well, you told me to ask questions. And I just laughed because she's practicing what I've been preaching. Ask questions. It's biblical. Ask questions. That's how we learn. Asking questions prevents, in my opinion, prevents assumptions. Because when you ask the right kinds of questions, those questions are being asked openly. Those questions are being asked in such a way that whoever hears that question is able to respond to you. Because the types of questions I believe we need to ask are open questions that do not give the person the answer you're looking for. So if I want to know your favorite color, I'm not going to say, is your favorite color red or blue? That is technically closed. I would ask, what's your favorite color? Or what do you love to do? And they say they love to paint. And I would say, what type of paintings do you enjoy to recreate? Because I want to know their favorite color, but I want to do it in a way that is so subtle. When they say, I love to paint the beach and these are the blues I use, then I might be thinking, maybe blue is their favorite color. Is that an assumption or a presumption? The fact is built on evidence that would be deemed a presumption, if you see what I mean. Now, that's the challenge that we have. We as people, we like to assume, we like to fill in the blanks. We like to judge on the basis of what? No actual evidence. And this case I referred to right at the beginning of this 18-year-old in Chicago who has been charged for sexually assaulting a seven-year-old during remote learning, the comments that have been made, there are 7.1 thousand sad faces, tearful faces, shocked faces, 7.1 thousand. And then there are hundreds of comments and hundreds of likes to the comments and, and dislikes to the comments. But the point is, we are only getting a sneak preview. We're getting a snippet of information. We know he's 18. We know he's from Chicago. And we know that he's alleged to have committed a sexual offense 
against a seven-year-old. We also have his photograph because he's not a minor. His picture is there. Now, looking at his picture, he appears to be African-American. I say that because of his hair texture. His features are African-American, but of course we know that there are many people who have mixed ethnic origin. Of course, I'm not speaking about us all being of mixed ethnic origin. I'm just saying mother, father. The father could be of one ethnicity, the mother of another. And often, for example, in places like Trinidad and Tobago, it's black and Indian, for example, so the hair texture is different. What I'm seeing, although his features are African-American, I'm looking at his hair quality, I'm seeing he has an afro, and I'm presuming this is an African-American man. Now, looking at his photograph, he looks remorseful. However, as people have said that their opinion, because opinion is not always based on fact, maybe the opinion is on the article or on the photograph, they're saying he's remorseful because he got caught. Now, on what bearing can we make such a statement? On what evidence do we have to say that he is remorseful because he got caught? We don't know that. He could be a sick individual who is addicted to pornography, who's watching child pornography and gets an idea. I'm not justifying. I'm just getting us to consider that he may be remorseful because you know what? Not that I'm justifying. He was not in control of his actions. I'm not saying he didn't know what he was doing. I believe that he was aware. I hate that term, but he was aware of his actions. However, he was so consumed with the pornography that he went on to enact what he saw. That is a possibility. Another possibility is that he was sexually abused himself when he was seven years of age. Another possibility is that maybe his friends, the company that he keeps, they also engage in sexual activity with their family members, with a child from down the street. The point is we do not know the full facts of what led this 18-year-old to allegedly commit this offense. Now, what is interesting is that this, this guy here, Catral Walls, his name is Walls, so Mr. Walls, he's the little girl's relative. So he's the relative of the girl. We don't know how in which they're related. Is it brother, half-brother? Is it 100% related or 50%? Because we know that sometimes they're a step and half Related could be biological, but adoption also considers you to be a relative. So we don't know whether it's by blood, by adoption, half and half, let's say, for example, half biologically related, related paternally, but not maternally or vice versa. However, what has been written here in the article, this is not a court case, by the way, it is the article, and you can't always believe what you read. It says that Walls has a history of sexually assaulting the child for the last year. At times, she was told by him to tell people that he only hit her if she was seen crying and she should keep what was going on a secret. So if I understand this correctly, she was told by him to tell people he only hit her if she was seen crying. The victim disclosed, so the seven-year-old says, he made me put my lips on him, and this has happened before, and I don't want my daddy to know it's a secret. And that is a direct quote, according to the article from the victim. As authorities arrested Walls, he began crying and said, I don't know why, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Now, we genuinely cannot judge Walls because we do not know if him crying and responding that way was crocodile tears, or if he's genuinely remorseful. For some people, it's a wake-up call. He gets caught, goes to jail, and there's the possibility he comes out reformed. 
I've been to the prison, Belal, in Kingstown Prison, the two prisons in St. Vincent. And when I've been there, I've met a number of people who I'm sure if they were not in prison and they were on the outside, we could have been friends. However, because of the infraction that they've committed, would we become friends? Very unlikely, because I'm human first, Christian second, and I would have reservations. I would not want to know their infraction, but let's say that their infraction was not against a person, then I may be more willing to hear if it was, for example, burglary. Why burglary? Because that is theft of a property. I wouldn't want to know about robbery or theft of a person or persons, because if it was robbery or theft of a person's, then that is where they have caused harm to an individual, whether directly or indirectly. So if my bag is there on the ground and I've gone into the restroom, that's not that's not theft of a person per se, because I've left my bag, it's not attached to me. But if I'm on the street and a person sees my bag fall down and steals from it, then we have theft, and then of course robbery, they use a weapon, for example. And so for me personally, let's say that one of these inmates came out and hypothetically, I don't recognize them and I bump into them, let's say at a presentation, we start talking and they open up and share they were in prison. I would, of course, as a human being, want to distance myself from them because I do not know the nature of their offense. However, in saying that, if they were open and said it was burglary, would I want to associate with that person with that person? For me personally, I would not feel concerned of them because burglary is theft of a dwelling, theft of a property. If it was theft of a person, meaning on a person's person, a handbag attached to them, robbery, theft of a bag, then of course I would be very concerned about my property. Is that me judging? Hardly. I believe in wisdom. Yes, I believe in second chances, but we've got to be wise. Being judgmental is not helpful, but we've got to use wisdom. Because if somebody has stolen before, there is the potential they can steal again. However, despite all that I have to say, when a person goes into prison, there is the huge possibility they come out reformed. I know for the real world, they say they come out worse, but I don't want to think like that. The world does. I know that's a reality, but I want us to start to see things differently. It's not about being naive or being in the, in the clouds or, or, or being oblivious to realities. It's about understanding the power of God and the Holy Spirit that people can change and can be reformed. We don't know the circumstances of walls, why he did what he did. We don't understand if he's genuinely remorseful or whether it's because he caught caught. We don't know all of that. We only know what this article is saying. However, I want to point out something, because as I said, today's podcast is about the internet. However, I just want to briefly touch on the internet. I don't want to focus so much on that, because the internet is such a broad topic. And of course, as you know, these podcasts are short, each week, 27 minutes or so. So let me continue reading the article. It says, the child was doing virtual learning when Walls approached her. She turned off the microphone, but not the camera. When the teacher saw the child and Walls performing oral sex, she immediately yelled at the students to log off and turn their cameras off and called police over to the child's home. The high school senior has been charged with predatory criminal sexual assault of a victim under 13 years old. Now, what I will say that the comments that I did read, because I was interested to see people's thoughts, not on walls at all. I'm not interested in people who want to tear him to shreds, talk about the death penalty and castration. I'm not interested in that. But I wanted to know what some of the people had to say about this particular article. And one thing they did say is that they commended this little girl because of what she had done. She was very smart and astute. 
She turned off the microphone because by doing so, that means Walls would not know that she was in class. Let's think about it realistically. Okay, we don't know why Walls did what he did. Maybe Walls is a sex addict. I, I really don't know. I'm not in his head, but I'm just saying. Walls does not understand about boundaries. Number one, having sexual relations of any sort with a child, that is criminal in every single circumstance. And he has overstepped the boundaries. He has violated this child's person. He has violated every form of boundaries surrounding that minor. Boundaries means, for example, that is a little girl, so he should not be in the same room with her when she's going to the restroom, when she's getting changed. Boundaries are deemed suitable and appropriate for us to protect ourselves and others, for us to be able to grow, for us to be able to develop. A child needs boundaries for them to be able to develop in a way that is productive, in a way that is helpful and not harmful. He overstepped the boundaries by what he did. And beyond that, understand and hear this carefully. He had this, this urge and this desire to engage in sexual activity with a child. And that desire was so strong that he did not even take into consideration. Well, number one, it's a crime. Forget that. Push it aside. He didn't even take that into account. But beyond that, he did not even take into consideration the fact that this girl was in class in other words, he is so selfish and self-centered that he didn't consider, number one, this is a crime. Number two, this is abuse. Number three, it is a child. Number four, she's in class. I do not agree with child abuse under any circumstances whatsoever. But the point is, he is a pedophile. But he did not even have the right mind to consider, I'm a pedophile, I'm going to abuse. This is not appropriate time to abuse. At the end of the day, for a person to behave the way that they did, they have lost their sense of sensibility. I say that because the average pedophile gets away with it because he has enough self-restraint to know when exactly to engage sexually with a child and when not to. I don't agree with it. It's a crime. They deserve to go to jail. But we've got to understand here that the reason why pedophiles are in our home, in our neighborhood, in our marriage is because they are so subtle at what they do that they're able to get away with abusing that child and nobody has any idea for years because that person has the discipline has the self-restraint to wait even recently i discussed a case of a boy he was in the home i think he was 17 at the time and he was there with the three-year-old i think she was three and he took her into another room undressed her and raped her she suffered from severe internal bleeding the mother of the child and her husband were in the same house. The child was able to be rescued. Again, this is an instance of a person who was not thinking in their right mind. I'm not justifying, but they had this desire and urge that they weren't even able to be smart about it. Like the average pedophile who abuses in school, who's a coach, who's a doctor, who's a physician, who's able to get away with sexual abusing their students systematically for years because they had that self-restraint. So at the end of the day, for me, he needs help. Every pedophile needs help. I get that. But he needs help because there's something not right with him. I'm not saying he needs to go to pedophile school. Hear me carefully. I'm just saying there is something wrong with him. He doesn't understand about boundaries whatsoever. The good thing is because he doesn't understand boundaries and he has this the strong desire is that he got caught sooner than later. However, he needs help because he's one of those people, in my personal opinion, who isn't sort of, how to put it, smart enough, who doesn't have the, the, 
the, the edge that your average pedophile does. In other words, I feel that there is great potential for him to be reformed when somebody is so smart and, and, and sly about it and is so good at this that they can do it for years. Those people are a tremendous danger to society because they're so charismatic. Somebody like this guy, I feel that he needs help. And when he gets the help, then he can be transformed because I believe that this is an, an not an innate part of him. This is not who he is. He's just a little bit twisted in the head and he had a desire. He's probably single and he wanted to satisfy the desire. I don't think that this is who he is. I think it was just a fix. And like I said to one of the students I spoke to, one of the students in the primary school, I said to her, you should not be getting undressed in front of your dad. That's not appropriate. I said, you've got to understand when a person is thirsty and they see a glass of water, they will drink that glass of water. When they're not thirsty, they'll see the water and walk past. But when they're thirsty, they will see the glass of water and you are that glass of water. So I want you to just take this into account and consider not justifying at all, but you've got to consider that some people, when they commit a crime, it's because they were tempted into it. Not every thief is a thief. What do I mean by that? There are people who do not intend to steal, but it is an opportunity. It is an opportunity. And maybe with this guy, I know he's been abusing her for a year, but it was an opportunity. But for me, the success is thank God for remote learning. Thank God for this student keeping her camera on and thank God that she has now been rescued and Lord willing, she can get the help that she needs so she can go on to develop a healthy, whole and productive life. Thank you for listening to another episode of Can You Keep a Secret? I trust that the information has been useful to you. I believe that we all need knowledge and education. And when we have a better understanding of topics such as abuse, it enables us to better safeguard the children in our world. For a better understanding of the topics being covered each week, then please reach out to me for a copy of my new book, Can You Keep a Secret? You can follow me, message or email me so that I can answer your questions in upcoming episodes. We can all learn from one another. And this is an educational series that I hope will impact and change not just your life, but also that of the people around you. You can find all my contact details on my website, changingcases.org. That's changingcases.org. Remember to share this podcast with friends and family members. There are victims and survivors in your world. You just don't know it. But if we can all be educated, then the world will be a safer place. Please tune in next week for another episode. Cause I wanna talk about it Can you keep us